With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's going on, everybody? Hope you are having a wonderful week so far. It's podcast time. Um, and this week... Second time on the podcast, which is amazing to me. It makes me really happy. You can probably tell in my voice. Um, I've only had one other person on this podcast twice, and that was Born Dirty. And this one is Harvey McKay. Uh, Harvey, not so long ago, released an album called Anatomy of a Drum Machine. His music, he's always been on my radar as an amazing producer. Um, lovely guy as well. But over the last year, I've really just been like, mind blown from his productions absolutely amazing and this album is a trip it's so good um so thought i'd get him on the on the podcast had a really good chat with him loved it so without further ado harvey mckay harvey mckay what's cooking man how you doing mate yeah really good how are you yeah not bad mate not bad you are you are the only the second person to do a second podcast on here Oh really? Am I that yeah. honoured? <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you for coming on, man. It's um, <clears throat> it's a pleasure to get you on, and you've come up in conversation quite a lot over the a few podcasts. Um, mm-hmm. And can we turn that off? <laughs> yeah. Turn them off on the phone, mate. Come up on that. Jeez, oh, that's the computer. Quit. Uh, if anybody knew the rigmarole that we just took to try and get onto this Zoom <laughs> yeah. conversation, it was ridiculous. Um, sorry, that. that was a computer that was popular, <laughs> not the phone. Right, sorry, let's go. Um, yeah, you've been busy. You've had a lot going on. Uh, yes. re- released an album, Anatomy of a Drum Machine, I believe mm-hmm. it's called. Yeah. Um, on Needed Pains. You've been sick. You've been in hospital. You've had a lot going on for yourself. Um, yeah, you've been you've been working freaking hard on music, and it's been nice to see. Um, but how's yep. life? How's life? Yeah, not bad, man. Just it's nice to be back out touring and be busy again, and kind of find a new focus with music, and kind of find my path a wee bit, if you kind of get what I mean. I've kind of, kind of, I've always felt slightly outside of what's going on in a way and even the sort of early drum code records that kicked things off in the past they were always quite different from what was in there yeah and but i feel always kind of had my toe Mm. in a certain thing whereas i think the past while i've just went okay you know and i think a lot of us with certain genres that are going on just now and a bit like, oh, what's what's kind of going on? Where do I f-? And I really couldn't find where I was fitting in any way. And I just mm. thought, completely ignore what's going on mm. and just do what you love. Um, and it's been one of the most amazing things that's ever happened to me, really. Um, I've really musically come into my own. Um, and it's been it's been quite quite an amazing journey. Yeah, I want to go back to that feeling of when you're like before you kind of found your own way, and where mm. you were like you had your toe in a little bit, but you were kind of in and out. Like, mm. how did that feel as an artist? Like, what what was that kind of what were you going through in that part of your life? 
I was never really that comfortable and I was never really that happy with what I was doing. I always enjoyed my music in a way, but I always, I just felt like I wasn't being quite true to myself, mm. you know? Um, there was part of me that would look at some other people that were doing other things and go, like, I'm, I'm kind of in this area and mm. I'm not sure if I want to be in this area, you know? Um, so, yeah, it was always quite tricky. There was always a feeling of just being slightly uncomfortable of where I was and what I was doing. Even though I was loving what I was doing, it was, uh, it was like slight compromise in, yeah. in a way, you know? Yeah, I guess when you're compromising your sound just to get gigs or just to fit on a record label or just to do something because everyone else is doing it. It's weird because we're in this industry where you're told to not fit in a box, but you almost have to fit in a box to fit, to get anywhere to a certain extent, which is weird, Mm. right? Like, because like, let's say for instance, with like your drum code stuff, I love your drum code stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. Like Black Dolphin is still one of my favorite records, and I still play it a lot. It's one of the ones I still really yeah. enjoy playing myself. But that that track was when I think I was starting to kind of dip my toe and coming, sort of using the same term, but coming back out yeah. of that phase. That was me starting to go, oh wait a wee minute, I can't, like I'm I was starting to find my feet. It took me a long time, yeah. But and when you say comp, I wasn't compromising to get on a certain label or to do whatever. I think I was being caught up in what was going on and what was i've never went i'll do this to get this mm. i've always I, I would say i was compromise is maybe the wrong term i was caught up in what was happening and yeah. what was the things that were going on and what direction things were going and now it's like call that mm. this is what i love doing like what what it was was so see how the, the, the way the direction a lot of things are going just now is not exactly my cup of tea. And as I say, that was like a that was like a cold hard moment of well, there's no way I can be involved in that. Yeah. And I just kind of thought, what do I love? What's mm. the sounds that I love? And then I thought it was like all the sort of mid to early two thousands, all the James Holden stuff. And then I started listening to lots of Apex Twin, and that really really sparked my brain sonically. Um. Mm. And I think once I figured out what I loved, then I had to really go back to the drawing board and learn how to make all of that stuff sonically. And it was going back to, like, really going back to it. And I think I've spoke to you about this before. Like, like, I mean, I would usually use, like, some synthesizers, some loops, and a wee bit of this and a bit of drum machine and, and some samples. And then once I started buying, like, some bits of hardware and just really getting into like drum machines and building everything from scratch and like a lot of my stuff that's it's got no presets on it mm. you can't save anything on it and it sounds like a bad thing mm. but it's the best thing that's ever happened to me because i can't just load anything up yeah but it's and it's got to that way now that there's been songs where i and people almost won't even notice where i've had to do demos like for a, like a youtube th- sorry for like an insta for a thing for a release and I've not had any, I've lost the song. Yeah. And I've just gone and go, right, two songs, I pulse, bum, bum, bum. And, I, and I'm sure I did the drums on that and I can rebuild it. Yeah, yeah. And I think having that understanding of your equipment, I used to say this in the past, it's like, do you know when you learn to drive a car and you're driving a car at the beginning and you're kind of like going along the road going, oh, and the driving instructor's going turn left, you're like, okay, hell, yeah. right? But then by the end of it, you're like, 
Yeah. Right? <laughs> you're in control of the car, right? Yeah, yeah. You're in control of the car. And so when you're in control of the equipment, it's like you can really direct where you want to go. And I think that's that's what's got me into this place now where it's like when I write music, it's like literally, and, and, and I'm speaking to a lot of people just now, and I've got a point to talk about. I think a lot of the people are struggling just now because I think sometimes they're, their focus is on a lot of other stuff that you have to do with social media and stuff just now, mm. and a lot of their creative energy is going on that rather than the music. Mm. But I think, see, since I started doing that, I can't stop writing music. I mean, I'll, every time I sit down, it's just... And I think it's because I'm creating every single sound I want from scratch rather than trying to find inspiration and make an inspiration. And yeah. I think that's been a pivotal difference recently. Because mm, I guess when... Before you got to where you're at, what would you do when, what would be your kind of like normal day of making music? How how would that compare to what it is now? Well, the thing is, it would be like, it would be a mixture of just like playing about with like a little wee drum loop, chopping it up and maybe having some parts in the drum machine and then maybe looking for a nice preset, but then changing it and tweaking it. And then, oh, that's a nice pad there. And I'll load that into a sampler and make some chords off it and stuff like that. But it was relying on me finding some nice sounds for inspiration. Everything was always loaded into the keys and played. There was nothing that was just used. But whereas now, it's like, I'll sit down and I'll fire up like the 909 and I'll be like, bang, 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 bang. And then I'll go into one of my synths and I'll start jamming away. And every, all the songs that, they're really strong. And that's one of the things I've discovered. I've discovered, I think I've always been sort of decent in melody, but recently once I started really getting into the keys, and it's not like I'm good in the keyboard, but I think I've got a mind for figuring out what makes a really interesting jo- uh, note jump to the next one. Yeah. But it's all came from everything from scratch. Turn it on and dum dum dum, rather than get on and looking for a sound yeah. to get the inspiration to go somewhere. And that's the big change that's been in for me. Do you think limitations has helped? Because when you're when you're on a hardware synth and when you're I on a drum machine... I think it's not limitations. I think it's the opposite. I think? think when you use stuff that has already got some sort of sonic basis to it, I think that's where the limitations are. Because I think if when you're opening up a drum machine and a synthesizer, that can become anything if mm. it's sounds that already have a bass in them somewhere... Maybe if it's, obviously, if it's a patch and a synth, but say you find a really nice sample and you want to chop it and play it and pitch it or whatever, or a wee loop that you want to use, that's only got so many ways you can twist that, mm. and it's still got the base of what it is, but if it's if it's a synthesizer or something that you're loading up from scratch, or one of the ones I'm talking about, that can be anything you want it to be if you know how to make it be anything you want it to be. I think... The the thing that I'm saying with limitations is that you're using two bits of gear, whereas and you can right. do anything with it. But like when you're like I don't I can only speak for myself, but when I'm trying to find inspiration in the studio, I'm like going to everything and trying to find stuff from everywhere. And when it's when you have two pieces of equipment, and you're like, okay, I have a kick drum, I have a, a drum machine, and I have to use this, and then I have one synthesizer, and I have to use this, and right. and it's more so like I'm not, I'm not going out of these parameters. I've got two things to concentrate on. Whereas when I'm not looking at those things, it's like 
well, I can get a vocal from here. I can go on YouTube. I can get a sample from here. I can go here. I can go here. And it's like, is there any real, there's no real limitations with that. And I do, I don't know if that's from what I've, from what I'm getting at the vibe with you is that uh, the limitation of telling yourself you're only doing stuff on hardware and you have only a certain amount of simps whereas mm-hmm. like how many plugins do you have on your laptop compared to how many simps you have like how many effects do you have on your on your uh okay. on your computer compared to how many effects do you have hardware wise like do you feel that is the case or not no i think that's a really good point i i, I think i think having and like it's the same like with my setup I have very limited plugins. I have mm. like, I have like maybe three or four that I use for the for the synths, yeah. and I tend to use them for like strings and leads and stuff like high high end leads. Like all the bass, I'll use the hardware for the drums, and I don't just only use hardware. Yeah. But a lot of the the sounds that are the foundations will come from the hardware, and then there'll be some VSTs mm. I'll use. But there's some VSTs that I use that I find. Um, as I say, for pads and strings and stuff that are so good, yeah. man, they're so close that I've had some since that I bought and I went, I've compared them and I'm like, yeah, it's yeah. too close. I have to sell it and get something yeah, else yeah. that's not as close. Like, I, I like, I love the towel stuff. See the towel stuff? That was so it's good. Stuff. And it's so cheap. Yeah. It's so cheap. It's like 60 quid or something yeah, for yeah. the like Juno one. And that's, that's an outstanding one. Mm. I've used that in loads of my songs. Um, that's like the lead in the cocoon coming up, not the bass, but there's like a really weird sort of, sort of off key yeah, string yeah. that comes in at the bass, and and I used it in my my release with Gregor Treasure as well, you know. Um, but it, this stuff's brilliant. But I think yeah, and into what you're saying, the the sort of limitations of only having like a few plugins that you use and a few synths that you use, and really learning to use them really mm. really well. Yeah, because I found. Like I got, a, there's a couple of other bits that I got for the studio, and I've not really used them as much as I will. I, I would like to, mm. but I will. But to be honest, it's because I think I'm just still really trying to learn the stuff that I've had for a yeah, year or two. Yeah, you know, yeah. like every now and again they'll surprise me, and I'm like, I didn't, I've never thought I would have bought that out of that. You know? <laughs> yeah, they're they're pretty amazing machines. I'll be honest, all of my hardware I use for like one thing each time so like each yeah. synth i use for like one thing like my drum machines i don't ever use the kick drums i only use the like rides and the hats for them um, yeah and like my moog i only generally use for bass lines and then mm-hmm. the the minilog i use for like pads and things like that yeah. and like these things are just like i never use them anymore but it's weird because I wrote one record off this this little thing with anybody that's listening. It's um, the SH09, the Roland, which is the Roland before the SH101. So mm-hmm. it doesn't have MIDI, it's CV. Um, for anybody that doesn't know what CV and MIDI is, they're signals of how to kind of communicate between systems. Um, but uh, I wrote my record 8-bit on there, which is like an old... It, All right. it was an old record that I made years ago. And I'm like, I've made a record on that now. I don't need to use it again. It's it's yeah. done its thing. <laughs> but the thing is, though, mate, see, sometimes, like, sometimes if you get one big record off it, it's worth the purchase. For me, it is. Yeah. There's, there's, there's one that I bought, and uh, 
I've got a couple of sort of records out of it that, that, that I think are nice records, but then I've got like one record out of it that I think is going with uh, DJ Hell. Um, nice. And it's like a stonker of a record. And I, and I remember when I made it, I thought, if that's all I ever get out of you, that's fine. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's fine. And I think that's the thing is like, I... When I'm using hardware, I try to keep like a, a Will Clark sound, but I'm also like, I don't want to make every record sound the same. Yeah. But when you're, I want to talk about um, Anatomy of a Drum Machine. Like, yeah. what was what was the process for you when you, from like start to, before you even finished? Like, what was, did you have a concept in your head? Did you write things down? Did you, or was it like you got in the studio, you were like, I want to write an album, let's do it. Because I know the album was written for a while before it came out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it was kind of, it was a, a, a few of the finishing touches towards the end, but the majority of it was wrote, was wrote reasonably quickly, but yeah. we were just deciding to wait to put it out mm. to things were a bit more alive. Um, basically what it was, as I'd, like, I'm really good pals with Alex from Denson Peter, and I'd been sending him bits and bobs, and we'd signed a few EPs, and I just kept sending him stuff, and he's like, man, so every single thing you send me, I love. Yeah. And then I'm like, he's like, why don't you just do an album? Yeah. And I'm like, okay, what about this, what about that? He went, do, do whatever you want. Mm. So like, okay, well, what about this? And he said, ha, just, I'll put out whatever you want. Just yeah. give me it. Um, and then, as I say, it was just, I wanted to make something. So when I made the album, it wasn't to be, because I was already in that mindset of nothing to do with coming out and being this, it, it, it was like a kind of passion project of doing something that was a kind of proper album mm-hmm. from start to finish, not just an album with like 10 smashers <laughs> and two ambience. I wanted some really different tracks in yeah. there and it really let me experiment and I learned so much on that mm-hmm. album, doing that album. And like the feedback for it's just been like insane. Like see some of the people that have messaged me, like left field get back to me because they've been supporting some of yeah. my uh, well he'd been supporting some of my yeah what do you call it some of my releases and like charting them and stuff so I tapped him up and, and I said oh listen it's going to be out in a while but if you want a little listen and then he replied in a few days he's like holy shit that's just blown me away mm. and I'm like and then was it the other day it's like uh, do you know the Hardway Bros it's, it's the guy Sean Johnson who uh, him and Andrew Weatherall did the From Love Without a Space kind okay, of thing. Yeah, yeah. If you're ever looking for any mixes, right? There's a guy called Sean Johnson, Hardly Bros. Um, and his mixes are just outstanding, right? Mm. They're like all that kind of slow 110 stuff, three to four hours long. That's all I ever listen to at the back garden. It's just <laughs> outstanding music selection. And I think I'd hit him up a wee while ago or something about something I thought might fit one of his sets or whatever. And, uh, and then, as I say, it was only like a, a week, a couple of weeks ago or whatever, and I just got a message from saying, album ab- absolutely astounding from start to finish. Yeah. And I'm like, so guys like that, that, that really, really know their music, that's the kind of, that's, that's the kind of stuff I was aiming for, really quality from start to finish with loads of different tastes and feeling in it, you know? Mm, it, you, you definitely achieved that. It's a, it's really weird because it's, <clears throat> It's a techno album, but and I don't usually like to listen to like full on techno albums. If I'm honest, like I'm usually yeah. more of like 
I want to hear some songs. I want to hear a bit of everything. And although you've done a bit of everything, like it's majoritarily a techno album, but there's something about it because it's so melodic, but it's not melodic in a, in what you would class as trance or what everyone's doing at the moment with, te- with techno, where it's like melodic techno and kind of pra- it's practically trance. Like it's not, it's like fucking chunky records that just, they just sound amazing. And, Thank you. and it's, like anybody that's listened to this podcast, you have to go and listen to it after you've finished here or even just stop listening to this and go listen to the album. But like, it's, it truly sounds, I'm trying to kind of, I'm trying to dig in as an artist side and kind of mm-hmm. for anybody else that's trying to write an album that it, it sounds like there is one like straight line to the end is it's Mm -hmm. it's a journey album but it sounds like you've said okay this is the sound i'm going for and the whole album's going to kind of be based around a sound Mm -hmm. is that was that was that done purposely 100 yeah i knew exactly how i wanted to break it up i knew what i wanted for the intro like right away like the intro, I had done a track called Sequence 4, I think it was, mm. which had come out and then speak it right away. And there was a wee story to that. It was like, um, it was actually, when I'd made the track, I always remember messing about with it. And it was like one of my good friends, uh, Gary Beck. Mm. Sadly, he had a, a dog and his dog got sick quite young and passed away. And I remember when I was writing that tune and I remember it's, it was like, it was so sad at that time for what was going on and I really yeah. felt for him. And I remember when I was listening to that track, it's like so emotively powerful. It's, and then I remember cutting a lot of the drums and all that out. I thought, I'd love to do like a, just an instrumental of that. And that's why if you look at it, it's called For Riley yeah. and that's his wee dog. Uh, okay. So, but I, I knew when I'd heard that, I thought that'd be a great track to start because it's so emotional and so big. And then like the first, first track just kind of just slap you in the face after that. So it's like trying to catch you off guard as well. Mm. There's like lots of tracks where it's tracks where you wouldn't expect. And I've got so many messages from people saying, I did not expect that from you, but I love it. Yeah. And that's kind of what I was aiming for. But I think that's the whole point of being of an album, right? Is that you're allowed to do what the fuck you want and yeah. you're allowed to, because I think it's so easy as in the industry that we're in, I don't know what it's like to be in like a band or like make pop music or something like that. But like, we're kind of expected to write bangers every time we release a single, mm. right? And yeah. it's kind of hard to write, to release something that's not a banger because the way a lot of us kind of have any success is we write a banger, every DJ's playing it, and then you mm-hmm. get booked because because of your records. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you make this like emotive, ambient e stringy record that doesn't mm-hmm. have any kick drums that no one can play, it's like, well, that there has zero point in that, if you know what I mean. Like there's no, which is really weird to say, but there's no like business side to that apart from you're just writing music which then goes into what you were saying beforehand about social media and everything like that Mm -hmm. and and kind of the the art the being the artist of what is an artist today when you were writing the album were you worrying about social media were you worrying about the other side of the business apart from writing the album no to be honest 
this is one of the things I think. I think people starting. I think people have always sort of made decisions for one thing and for the other, but I think people are maybe starting to make decisions for the wrong goals. Mm. And I, I feel the music industry, it's like people feel they'll be doing a certain thing just to, because they're scared of, of gigs or visibility or feedback or or visibility. Mm. And I feel that people are starting to make decisions that are not following who they are as an artist. Yeah. And I think with a lot of it, if you look a lot of the music that's coming out, you can see the quality of it. And don't get me wrong, there is so many amazing artists out there. Mm. There is. Yeah. But I would say generally, and I think a lot of people you speak to, the, the actual quality of the music is tanking. And mm. I think it's because a lot of people are going, well, that's safe to do. Mm. But it's not what they want to do. And it mm. comes out because their soul's not in it. Mm. You know? Um, and I think, I think, I, I, I don't know where that's going to take us. That was the part where, like, for me, this is a bit of a make or break time because, mm. like, I got to that point and I could see the writing in the wall and I went, I can't be part of that. You know, do you know what it kind of reminds me of a bit? Like, the way things are going. Have you seen the movie The Big Shot? Yeah. Right? The music scene reminds I watched that and I was like, at the end, I was like, whoa. Because it's a bit like what people are doing at the moment. They're going for short term gains. But it's almost you watch what's going on in the scene and you're like, oh, what are you doing? What are you doing? And, yeah. But at the same point in time, they're trying to put food on the table and they're trying to keep touring. And I get that. But where's the artistry? Mm. And where's the music? And, and, and in the long run, I think that's what people are going to crave. Because I think one of the things that's happened during the pandemic with COVID and all that is if you weren't really good in social media and if you were really good in social media, I think as things open back up, people were getting booked for having all these great videos or funny videos and this visibility and that, right? And I think people are going out to shows just now and they're going to see a lot of these people, but I think it's going to come to a point when they're going to go and they're going to go, this is very good, mm, you know? Yeah. Because the people aren't up there because they're talented artists. They're up there because they're amazing marketers. And yeah. don't get me wrong, that's a skill. But people don't worship marketers. You know, It's the like artistry that they like. And I'm wondering whether it's going to come to a point where people are going to start going. Because I, I mean, I'm like in my early 40s now, and I've seen, so I would say, one, two. I've seen about two or three rises and falls. But yeah. like in the 90s, it got really, really big, and then it crashed. Mm. And then towards the early 2000s, it got big, and then it crashed. And yeah. this is what always happens, and I find what happens is when things become so commercial, it's like everything, when, you, when money becomes so involved, then sight gets lost of the artistry and what the point is, and then it gets to the point where it gets so busy, and then people, it becomes hollow, and then it just drops, and then the people that are like craving that real music, they go right and they start going digging again mm. and the subculture goes back and it starts building up again. You know, like in the sort of mid to late 2000s, it was like the minimal that started coming in. Whereas like, you remember when it was like, it was dance music, it was everywhere yeah. in the early, so early 2000s and it built right up. It was Radio 1, all these big events and everything. And it just died. Yeah. And then it come back as the minimal stuff and then it slowly built up. And then, and I'm, I'm wondering if we're going to have another tank yeah. but I'm not sure it might keep it up it might I don't know I just feel that people crave I think they can tell when they're listening to music whether there's the soul and the artistry in it and I wonder 
where the, where the spot of the divide is going to happen. And I find as well with the with the music industry, um, I, don't, I don't know. It's just it's a it's a tricky one, mate. It's a tricky one where it's going to go. I'm not quite sure. I'm just trying to align myself with. I'm just trying to make music that I believe in mm. and music that I enjoy making and try and ignore all of that and. That's my cards in the table. Hopefully, what's yeah. But what? But what was the for you? Like, I want to. I want to go a bit deeper and like go how when you were writing music at, for, at the beginning and where you weren't a hundred percent happy to now. Like, what? Yeah. How does that make you feel as an artist when you're putting music out that you can that you're like, oh my god, I love this record, but like. Does it make you feel any different to, to oh, compared to what you were releasing beforehand? Definitely. Well, before it was like at the beginning as well. I think I kind of, I think, I don't know whether I took for granted what I had and I didn't work hard enough or maybe because I wasn't totally enjoying what I was doing. Mm. I wasn't working hard enough. But compared to when I was, and things kicked off in 2014 and it was flying and like I wasn't in the studio that much. Yeah. And now you can't drag me out. It's mm. like my partner and even my poor dog. Love like right, let I'll say like let's walk. I don't want to say because she hears me, but let's go walk or whatever. And and like the dog will be like, right, let's go. And she, the dog knows. Like the minute I turn around, I'll just fix this. And like two hours later, she's lying <laughs> on the floor beside me. She's like, Dad's at it again. You know, I, you just can't drag me away from mm. it. And I was never like that before. I was like that when I was hungry at the beginning, and then. But I think then once you get. I initiated in, then you start sort of going with the floor bit, and it was the going mm. with the floor bit that really made me quite miserable yeah. and un uncreative and unartistic. And it got to a point where I was like, "What am I going to do?" Because I enjoy music, I think I'm pretty good at it, but I don't know what to do. And it was just right, just do what you love, do what mm. you love, and ignore everything else. And that's 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 how I kind of feel about it. So definitely, the main thing is you just can't drag me away from it now. Mm. I love that. I remember at some point in my career when it was like that. And I'll be honest, it hasn't been like that for me for a long time and I'm craving it. I'm craving mm. to get that back. And I was literally on a, on a call with somebody that I do work with um, just before we jumped on. And I was like, I just don't make, for me, like I just haven't made time to, to write music. Mm-hmm or I haven't made enough time to like give, to give myself time to write music. And like, I do so much, which this isn't me being negative. This I love everything I do, but it's like when you're touring two, three times a week and then you're doing podcasts, like I've got three podcasts to record today and then yeah, yeah. you've got to like sort everything else out. And then you also have to have a bit of a life as well and then try and write music in between all of that. And you, it's really weird. I don't know if you've, you've had this in your career at all, or in your life like where the one thing I love to do the most is actually write music but it actually takes the back it's actually the least kind of the thing that I don't take enough time to do because everything mm -hmm. because I allow everything else to kind of take over and it's like I don't know what I need to do personally to do that and to be like fuck everything else nothing else matters to me really like the podcast doesn't matter to me as much as making music to me the 
mm-hmm. all the admin stuff, all the social media stuff, all the helping other people, all of that means fuck all if I can't write music. But mm-hmm. for some reason, I still, in the last like six months, since pretty much since coming out of COVID, I like still haven't made enough time for myself to make music that I'm like, wow, this is fucking amazing. I've made music and I've made records that I'm happy with. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. Was there? Is there ever? Have you ever had that? Of course, I've had that. But coming back to the period that I'm kind of in just now, I think, and I've been in, and I've been in this place before, and it's like a, it's like it, it's it becomes your everything, and it just mm. now this is my everything, and I think it's you've got a lot of things going on, and music is really important to you, but it's like here, yeah, right, and I think there's a point where. The music's there and everything else has to be about yeah. here. And you can still do everything else. And I find even when it's all I'm doing, I can still make time for other things. But it was like, it's like I used to always say to my friends, like, um, and I used to do like some of the one-to-ones at Scottish Music Centre and stuff like that. And people would say, and you would hear it all the time. People would always go, oh, I've got this new synth and ah, just going to paint the bedroom and I've got this phone. Well, as soon as I've got it done, Blah, blah, blah. And I'm going, now you still always say to them, I'm like, look, there's always going to be stuff in the way. Yeah. I'm like, make a tunes yeah. and paint the walls. Because mm. <laughs> you're always going to have stuff in the road. And like for me, but you know what happened? I find I've got quite a, a kind of obsessive personality if I'm focused on something. And I find that once I'm locked in, mm. I'm just so locked in. Yeah. But it's, it's hard to, sometimes it's hard to get yourself back in that we do but there's been a, a few points where I was working in the studio so much like literally I've been working on a tune all day um, and then I go to bed and then I, I'm not this is the truth like Cage was one of them right I, like it was the it was the first Uncaged that I'd had and I went to sleep and you know I woke up because I was dreaming about it and then I got my laptop and got my headphones and then transferred it to my laptop because it was all bounced down and went in the laptop and walked it to seven o'clock in the morning. That was where my brain was at. It was like, go work it, wake up, you can do more. You know, like, <laughs> it's, like, it's crazy. And it's and the thing is, it's uh, it seems to be paying off because mm. it seems to be people are noticing it. And it's funny because even, even all the music that I had, the early drum code stuff that I'm still proud of and stuff like that, and it... And that would give my career a big instant boost. But yeah. I think that's more because of the fan base that they have. Mm-hmm. But the amount of messages and like private messages I'm getting now about the stuff that I'm doing compared to the stuff I was doing back yeah. then, that this huge machine behind it, it's not even in the same vicinity. It's just yeah. miles above it. Yeah, it's just yeah. everyday people. Blah, 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 blah. People are feeling it. They're really, they're feeling like the effort that's going in, I think. What, do you think that's what it is? Um, I, I, I think so I, mm. or maybe it's the fact that I'm just doing what I really really want that's coming yeah. out I, I don't know I don't know I think but, I think um, I think when this is my opinion on it but I think when you're with like a huge label like drum code like for me it was Dirty Bird um, you have an automatic fan base which I, I believe every artist needs to start with where yeah whether it really that's, helps. Whether that's a hundred people, whether that's ten thousand people, like whether that's a hundred thousand people, it really does help, no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of puts you in. But I think what happens from from that a thousand people that are a fan of that record label, you get fifty of those people that actually really give a fuck about you. And then, yeah, yeah, that's so true. And then that fifty people will then 
be your super fans and then from the super fans they will then go and talk to other people about you and then you're kind of you'll keep going but I think that's what spot on. that's totally spot on. I think you're hitting a nail on the head with that, yeah. Because I, I think it's let's use drum code for example. Like it's a machine. It is a yeah. fucking machine, and what Adams built is unbelievable. And I mm-hmm. take my hat off one hundred percent. But you can guarantee, like, you could release a record on drum code. Let Let's just use Beatport for example. It's just a very easy thing to kind of show mm-hmm. you could release a record on drum code and then you could release exactly the same record on on your own label right yeah. even even like brand new label you don't even have a label you put it out on your label exactly the same record and yeah. the drum code record will do well and the one on your label won't do well and that's purely because you've got the drum code label yeah. to it right which is understandable that's kind of it's like Nike, right? Nike, you release a sneaker, it's and then somebody yeah, else. I was just about to say that analogy. Exactly the same. Say, it's like you could design the coolest fucking pair yeah. of trainers in the world and go look at these, and people go, "Oh, they're amazing!" And yeah. you could sell a thousand pairs, and you just put a tick in the side, billions. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. You know, what so, yeah. So that was the exact analogy I was thinking of. Yeah. So I think realistically, like as an artist, I think everybody needs that first platform. Um, but then once you have that first platform and then you get the opportunity to go and do yourself, I think that's when you really build your true fans and your true following and people that really give a fuck about you. And whether that's 50 people, whether that's a hundred people, whether that's 10,000 people, it doesn't really matter. It's just your find that your, your true fans that really care about you will support everything you do. And if they don't support every record they do, they'll tell you. And that's fine because that's feedback and, and we all need that as artists. Yeah. That's on that note as well, that's one other thing I've I've kinda been trying to do as well as I've been so like so how set you see known for a certain sound. Mm. Recently I've been going, I'll do whatever I want. Yeah. And I'll be that's what I'm saying. So I'll be doing stuff like on uncaged at like 141 BPM mm. and then the next month I'll have something on like Gregor Treasures breaking new soil and it's a completely different sound. Mm. But I love both of them and mm. I feel I've just went, why is the rules? Who says you can do that and you can't do that and you need to make up another name? Who who said that? Yeah. Just some guy once. Mm. So there's no rules. And I think this is the thing is this is what I've learned over the years and it's kind of what I've done with with my label, like my label, I re- release records that have vocals and that are kind of more song based and mm-hmm. I can get away with doing that on my label. And then I'll go and do a remix for compact. That's just strict techno. Yeah. And that's sweet that you can do that. And that's what it should be. Yeah. And I think this is the thing, but I'll be honest, I battle with it in my head and I struggle with it sometimes. Cause I'm like, where where do I sit as an artist? Mm. Like where like what lineups do I sit on? And and mm. the, the whole goal for me is not to be able to sit on any lineup. It's to be able to sit on every lineup because I'm just doing who I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think this is the where you're at is you're you're growing your your artist career or artist as a person as whoever you are like. You're, you're growing something where 
it allows you to be who you want to be and not mm-hmm. not Harvey McKay, the drum code or the needed pains or this person. It's Harvey McKay. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think you're right, man. Do you know, I think the one of the first places that I had that kind of freedom to do that was with Alex on Needed Pains. Because, mm. like, literally I'll say, oh, I've got something in me, I'll need to let you hear, see if you... And he's like, give me it, I'll put it out. You don't even heard it yet. Yeah. Like, I love everything you do, it doesn't matter. And that was the first chase. And then it was like, oh, I like this. You know, mm. I like this and how much stuff. I'm just going to do this from now on. But I think the thing is as well, it's like, I mean, who wants to be who they're not? Mm. Like, who wants to do something that is not them, you know? Yeah. The whole point of doing something that's artistic and music is so you can you can express yourself. Yeah. You know what I mean? Most people that, that unfl- unfortunately will have to go and do some sort of normal job. They're forced into a box, or even if it's a profession they take to have to do lots of things that are not what they want to do. Mm. Don't get me wrong; you still have to do that in life as an artist, but as but not with your artistry. Hopefully, you can get to express yourself and do yeah. what you want because I think that's a really unhealthy place to be mentally. <laughs> to be doing something that's not you yeah yeah i had i had a call from somebody last night who i write music with um or for and kind of help with help with their career and Mm -hmm. they left me like this voice message that scared the shit out of me and they were just like i'm i'm done with this project because i've got so much pressure on myself externally Mm. from managers and agents telling me i need to do this and telling me i need to do that and their career has blown up since covid like before covid they weren't even a dj and it made me really sad because it's like this person is so talented but because of everybody else's external needs yeah is putting so much pressure on this one person that realistically it ruins the artistry and and kind of stifens the creativity and just forces people to put stuff out because they have to do it and i I haven't really spoke i don't the the issue is is i don't think many people are willing to talk about that publicly Mm. that have been through that um yeah it's either too late or it comes out 10 years down the line Mm. um and i kind of want to get people on the podcast that are willing to just be like fully honest and open about that, that process. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think people need to know about it. There's, there's definitely people out there that are put, getting put so much pressure on from their teams that they have to release this type of music. Like, in fact, another one of my good mates, like he's, I can't go too much into detail, but like, <coughs> it was in the same situation where his management just wants him to put to release tech house bangers and his management would be able to make a fucking huge career out of him if he released tech house bangers but that's when the money's involved again this is what i'm saying exactly and and i think that's that's the issue is like (laughs) when does it come a point where it's a business and when does it come a point where it's artists and this is something that i've been battling with not in my head but more so like I've spoke about it many times on this podcast is when does the industry become this It's the issue with the music industry is that it's music and industry. Whereas Mm. it's, it's emotions 
with creative people and then you got business people and then some of us are the same person all in mm. one like for right. me i would say i'm like 50 percent art is 50 percent business yeah and then both of those are fighting at the same time yeah and you're just yeah. like fuck what do we do yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i mean like i'm this i mean i've always feel like so or, I would say I wouldn't even be able to pluck a percentage, but I, don't get me wrong. I've always got a voice in the back of my head going, "Oh shit!" <laughs> you know, it's not like I'm not aware of the risks. Yeah, it's, I just I would definitely say I'm not I'm not got a business head on me. I never have, um, but I've got that voice going. Like, oh, 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 oh. Mm. you know, it's not saying to me, "You better do this." It's just going, "Oh, I hope you're right." <laughs> you know, <laughs> so. I get it, man. I get it. But then that bit where you're saying you've got the business name, that, that's probably why you're having the conflict of when you're saying when you're releasing a new label with the vocal stuff and the compact because you've got your, that's your artistic side making those yeah. those decisions. And then you've got the business side going, are you sure this is the right <laughs> thing to do? And it's trying to keep both of them happy, mm. I suppose, if you've got that kind of dynamic going on in your head. Yeah, it's, it's definitely interesting um i'm not yeah i i don't know but how do you how do you juggle it with the business and the the music or do you not are you strictly music and whatever comes business comes business <clears throat> to be honest i really don't think about it not yeah. anymore i don't anymore i always did and i was just miserable miserable so what was I the switch what was the switching point like what where in your life when was it wasn't working for me i was just so unhappy and like i was still touring but like it was just like it was, i was just like oh and i'm like and then the pandemic happened and it gave like a break mm. and it gave a chance for well there's not too many releases coming out and there's no gigs at the moment and i was like hey, this could be a fresh palette time to just completely go back to the drawing board and learn again um but no i was just miserable man mm. and then um, now, as I say, it's it's just a completely different story. But I think that's what that's been at. I love that. I love that. What happened with your health? Oh yeah, so uh, bit of a wild one, man. Um, I have always had like sort of autoimmune problems, mm. like bit of psoriasis and stuff like that, and a bit of weird nerve things and stuff. And then it was last last year, I think, and I'd had the vaccine, mm. the COVID vaccine. Which I think is saves loads of lives. I'm, I'm, I just have a very reactive immune system, right? Yeah. And lots of people do. And it, it was just about so basically, anyway, what happened was I got the vaccine, and um, about a week later, I was on, I was out working with one of my friends, and I was talking away. And do you know that way, like? You just, you like, I completely forgot what I was saying, but it was like the road just disintegrated from under me. I'm like, whoa. I'm like, didn't think anything of it. Yeah. I was like, well, that was weird. Um, but anyway, moved on, and then it happened again and again, and it got more and more and more. And then it got to the point where I could, like, I was sitting, I was talking to my girlfriend, and I was like, right, what was I saying? What was I saying? What? And she's got, you need to go to the doctor. I couldn't yeah. even hold a conversation. And then I started having really strange sensations in my brain, like my brain, I could feel my brain in my skull. Jesus. Yeah. And then, and whenever, whenever the confusion and uh, 
I was starting to struggle to find words. Um, and that would be that would coincide with me. The more I could feel my brain and my skull, the more mm. I would struggle with words. And that went on for quite a while. And it got to the point, and like, as you can tell from this podcast, I don't struggle to communicate or chat, right? <laughs> right? And I was so bad, but my brain was so bad, I was scared to open my mouth because yeah. I got I couldn't find the words. Really? My vocabulary just disintegrated. I would go to speaking like words would just be gone. I'm like, what's the word? And then like five hours later, I'd be driving and round about they pop back in. And then that's weird. And then I started and I didn't tell him at the time, probably should have, but it's it's gone now, so it's fine. But sometimes I would be going home and I go round and round about like three or four times, I'd get lost. I'm like, where am I going? It was like the way that started, it was like, do you know the way when you're working on a computer? Um you're running loads of things and like you get loads of C- your CPUs clipping and you go like that to do something and everything just stops. stops yeah, right. Yeah. That's what it was like. It was like it was like the processing part of my brain was mm. just kaput. Mm. When I, I could I could maybe talk, but when I would try and access something, it would go and it would just freeze up. Wow. Um, and it did that for a while, and then I think it was maybe I think it was towards when I got the second one because I didn't realise anything was going on at the time. Mm. And then I started going to, when I was going to the gym. I went to type my code in, and my hand was like it was drunk. And I'm like trying to type my, type my code in, and then that that went to water like going outside of my eye, and then then I had to be rushed up hospital. Lots of times they thought I was having a stroke and all sorts, and it just went. Mate, see, Christmas there, I was really, really ill. Like, I mean, one of the reasons I wrote so much music over that period of time was because, like, I would have good days and bad days, but I wasn't sure what way it was going. Yeah. It was going down quick, mate. And, like, to give you an idea, there was one day I couldn't add seven and six. I was trying to count something. I couldn't add seven and six. Jesus. My brain just wasn't working. And it was, mate, it was, I always got a wee bit emotional talking about yourself. Mm. It's one of the most terrifying things ever. And I was going to all in just and none of them knew what it was and thought it was this, thought it was MS. And then, and then what happened was I got my booster letter in and um, I thought, I thought I'd thought i always said, oh, I'm not getting the, the thing just in case or whatever, the next one. And I typed it in, post, uh, post facts, the neurological, BBC, boom, like word for word, exactly yeah. what happened to me. I'm like, mm. oh, my God, you know? And I went in and spoke to the neurologist. And by this point in time, they're aware of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I spoke to him about it, and he was saying that, yeah, we're seeing a lot of things and we don't understand what's going on. So that, that that's what happened, man. It was just, uh, it was, and me, I still get little bits. So we, there's, there's maybe once or twice I've been talking to you, I've been talking, and it's maybe just, oh, drifted away and it's come back. But I'm at a period What now is it? What is it, though? Basically, it causes, it's like inflammation in the mm. brain, in the brainstem. And it's just so, and it just it, it basically is causing all sorts of neurological problems. Um, and I think people are getting it from COVID as well. Yeah, uh, I had COVID twice mm. after that, and I was absolutely fine. Um, but as I say, that's that's where it's been, mate. And it was it was absolutely terrifying. See now, it's like just now, one side of me feels different from the other one. It's like a tiny bit. At the very worst, it was like somebody was squeezing one side of my body, and as time goes on, it's just like they're letting go. That's so weird. Dude, it was like, at one point, I'm like, what is going on? And is then, there's, there's there's no cures to this. There's no, like, 
Mate, as time goes on, and as time goes on, it's fading and fading and fading Mm. and fading. Like, I would never be able to do this podcast if I was as way I was. But that's the thing. The longer the time goes on, it starts fading. And I feel I'm on the mend now, thankfully. But that's kind of what was happening, mate. And I was kind of of keeping it quite private. um, But it was a really tricky time, mate. But I think that was one of the the things that made me, inspired me to work so hard. Yeah. Like, I mean, because I was like, I was going like that, and I'm going, am I? Am I? I didn't know whether it was going to be a god or because yeah. nobody knew what it was. And then it just started easing up, and then I found the article, and I'm like, wow. I mean, imagine, imagine I didn't, I didn't find it, and I jumped in, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. So, but I've got my letter from the doctor and all that saying no more. And so, he, so does it? Is it? Are you allergic to something in the vaccine? Well, what it is, well, basically, what it is is it's like. People that have got uh, 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 autoimmune problems or immune issues, right? What happens is when you get it, what they think happens is, is they think that your immune system overreacts and then starts attacking your own body. So my immune system's done this my whole life. So here's the weird thing, right? Before I found that article, I kept saying to my mum, right? Because my mum used to be a nurse, I kept saying, my immune system has went bananas. I don't know what it is, but my yeah. immune system's went nuts and it's attacked me. Something has just went like that and it's went poof and went mental. Yeah. And then that's exactly what it was saying. And as soon as I said that, I showed it to my mum, she went, you bloody said that. And I'm like, because <laughs> I knew. It yeah. was just like my immune system suddenly went, I don't like you and just started attacking me. Jeez. And that's, that's what it was. So, Fuck, wild. man. That's... I know, mate. I know. It's mental, isn't it? It's, mate, it's scary, man. It's scary. But it's just one of these things, mate. I just feel that I'm glad I'm kind of, kind of outside the other side of it um, and just recovering. That's how lo- how long were you in hospital for? Well, I wasn't I wasn't in as in admitted. I was rushed up yeah. loads of times. I must, mate, I must have been in hospital like every two or three weeks just like Jesus. for like a whole year. I'd be in and then it would be like... And I'm like, I'm going numb and my eyes start going. <laughs> and I'd phone up the doctor, they'd be like, go to the hospital. And I'd get up, they'd take all my bloods and be like, oh, you're fine. Send you back out. They'd do loads of MRIs. Oh, you're okay. And I'm like, oh, I don't feel okay. You know? <laughs> so, but, so yeah, man, pretty, pretty wild stuff. It's mad. Yeah, I've heard a bunch of stories of like friends and the like long COVID and kind of the the effects yeah. of what a lot of it's done. It's mental. What it's mental. How I think it's just amazing how different we all are as human beings. Yes, and and how every single one of our bodies reacts differently to everything we put in it. Like yeah, and I think that's. It's kind of there's like correlations between what we do as a living and our bodies, right? It's like we're all different. We all like to do different things. We all respond mm-hmm. differently to different things, and we all act differently to different things. And I, and I think this is the thing: is like y- you have to treat everybody individually, yes. and we have to treat ourselves as individuals. Mm-hmm. And we have to look at what makes us happy and what makes us fit and healthy and what makes us feel good and things like that yeah. and, and not generalize massively because it goes back to the music. If you go write what everyone else is writing, yeah, you might become more successful, but you might not be happy. Yeah. You put, you eat steak every day. It might make you happy. Some people, it might make you feel like shit. 
Yeah, well, that's, this is the thing as well. And, like, whatever group you're in or whatever you believe with the diet thing is as well. It's, like, people that say carnivore's the best way, people that say vegan's the mm. best way, people say that pescatarian, there's no such best way. No. It's whatever works for you. Because yeah. we've all got different genetics. People are from different places all over the world where there's different things available. Like, some people have, like, some people will eat, like, see, one of the things is I used to actually have I used to have a thing called cirrhotic arthritis, yeah. right? So, and it's like you get sciatic, but then in very rare cases you get it starts attacking your joints, mm. and uh, I ended up really bad with that. See, I'm seeing my immune system playing up, right? Yeah. And it started attacking my toe, and then, and then I was I'd wake up, it's like I was, oh my, all my, all my connective tissue was all inflamed, and I had to go on some really heavy medication. And one of my really good friends, Scott, he'd seen this documentary, right? And it was a juicing documentary, right? Now, I wouldn't say now that I know about enough about it that it's the right way to go, right? But basically what this was, this thing was, it was an exclusion. So it was like yeah. cut out all crap. All you're having is 70% veg, 20% fruit or whatever it is, and you're having all that and you're not eating. And I did that for six weeks. I didn't eat for six weeks, yeah. right? And did that and I felt... I felt like like the first week I tried it at the end, I was like, I'll try it for a week. And then it, like, towards the end of the week, I was like, I'm choked for a curry and a whatever, right? <laughs> and I woke up, I woke up on the Saturday, right? When I woke up on the Saturday, I was like, oh, I feel different. Yeah. I feel right. And I kept going and I did it, right? But then I still wasn't 100%. But then I, I slowly started going, right, okay, what I'm eating, my lifestyle, mm. and slowly started changing it. Now, there was on two medications, one called methotrexate, it's yeah. a mild form, form of chemotherapy yeah. that lowers the immune system, one called Humira, which, holy shit, that's dangerous mm. stuff. But that brought it right down. And then once I tried the juicing diet, managed to come off them, and then basically what I'd figured out from just for me is, is just clean as anything. If yeah. it grows out the ground or walks about, that's the way to go for me. Mm-hmm. And if it's in a packet with a sauce or something, man's the go with it. Yeah. And for me, having an immune system, that's probably why I reacted to the vaccine. My, my body doesn't like things that doesn't know what they are, right? Mm-hmm. So what's that, right? You know? So, um, and I found when I ate just clean, nice clean vegetables and a nice slab of meat and kept everything clean, it went away. Now, this is a disease that's meant to be with you for life and then damage a new joint every two years. Yeah. I stopped it dead in its tracks after yeah. two or three years of figuring it out. And when I was up the other day um, talking to a doctor about something else and it was up in the hospital and she was looking through my notes and she went, oh, I see you. Uh, you get cirrhotic arthritis? No, nah, not anymore. She went, what do you mean not anymore? I went, I don't have it. She went, and the nurse looked at each other and she went, you don't take meds? I went, no. And I told them and you could see they were astonished and they mm. went, what about red meat? I says, well, see, to be honest, I love my vegetables, but see if I just eat red meat only. I find that's actually the best. Because see, here's the thing. See, when I say I get rid of it, it will always be there if I misbehave for a while. Of course, of see, course. See, if I start yeah, eating yeah. normal food, that'll yeah. creep back in. So it's not mm-hmm. gone. It's just my immune system's at bay by eating clean. But you could see they were astonished. They were like, what do you mean you get rid of it? Mm. And I'm like, oh, it's just eating clean. Yeah. And that, that's, the, that's the thing that works for me, you know? It's pretty amazing, though, isn't it? Because how much control you can have over your body. But I, I was talking to this about to a friend the other day, but it's like the amount of shit we put in our bodies every day, right? Especially when you travel, it's so hard, isn't it? Right. It's so bored. Yeah. And you're just like, what can I do for the next mm. six hours of long connection? Well, for me, it's not like, like I, I don't, sometimes I eat when I'm bored, but for me, it's like, I, 
I'm like this person where I, it's just easy to go get something sweet, like just a snack. Right. And then rather than eat like a full-on meal at an airport because the full-on meal at the airport is going to be fucking expensive and it's yeah, not going to be that it's not going to be that good no no so i'm like i'll eat like a snacks or something here and there and it's not healthy but like do you have a meal prep when you're traveling no i don't but it's it's quite a good idea like see if you're talking about it, just uh, uh, with the with the airports i was looking instead was it last weekend and like Stansted's just a riot at the moment because yeah. apparently I was asking again well, why are you so busy and he said oh they'd lost the contract that people that do the restaurants and now there's only two places mm. and we're like chocker so I was like right okay and I'm looking at the menu I'm like heaven's about like 20 quid for yeah. like a salad or something yeah. I'm like and I seen cheesy chips I thought no healthy <laughs> but not expensive I'll treat myself so <laughs> and the guys like that the guys like we don't have the cheese I'm like oh, give me the chips so he gave me the chips and I swear to god the chips were six quid right and he brought them out and there was about seven chips oh right? no ones. and I sat down beside a couple and I was like that and he looked at the chips I was like that and I was like okay. and I pointed it and they burst out laughing I went they were six quid and they went a pound a chip <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Oh dear. Yeah, airport food's terrible. Like even <laughs> even if you're like in the lounges or something like that, they're ter- it's terrible food. It's just cheap food because they're just giving it away for free, which I get. Well, you've not got any other options, have you? They know they've got you yeah. locked in. Yeah. It's like in, in Glasgow, I, I think it was Glasgow or Edinburgh Airport at one time. I'd like, obviously, you, do you know Greg's? Yeah. 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 Greg's steak baking a pie, right? So it's like a little bit. Uh, place that does shops for anybody that's not from here right and it'll do like pastries and steak bakes and pies or whatever and they had opened a shop in the airport wow. and like i walked in i'm like craig's brilliant and it's like same prices and I, they were only there for like six months because the airport said to them nah nah you need to raise your prices and greg's went fuck, fuck you then and they just left but they were but they, they were like because then people had a cheap option yeah that they knew they would enjoy so all the other right they're going i'm not spending 20 quid on no. chips and eggs when i can get a wee pie and a can of juice for like a quid. <laughs> <laughs> you know I mean? this is why everyone loves greg's in the uk it's yeah. like the best fucking place ever you just know what you're gonna get exactly um, mate. how can you get a steak bake wrong <laughs> you know what literally i was in uh amsterdam airport the other day and I don't know if you knew about the like the rigmarole of Amsterdam Airport recently, but they've had like six hour waits at the security because they've been on strike. Um, so I, the promoters told me like to go to the airport really early. So right. I got I got to the airport like four hours before my flight to expect that I'm going to be in security lines for fucking hours. Right. I got in through within thirty seconds. It was like the quickest security of my life. You're just saying that to me. I just booked flights and I've got a two-hour connection before. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> Typical. No, you'll be fine now. They've employed a load of new people. Ah, right. Um, and uh, anyway, my flight got delayed by two and a half hours as well. So I was at the airport for fucking hours. Right. And I was really craving food. But it was got to the point where the f- where everything was closing because it was nighttime. Right. I don't eat McDonald's. I haven't had a McDonald's in probably six seven years and right. the only thing i'll eat from there or drink from there is their milkshake because i'm like their oh, milkshake. the milkshakes are vanilla milkshakes are out of this world, <laughs> they're banging aren't they <laughs> but you know as you're drinking it you're just going <laughs> yeah literally just getting fat my veins are just yeah. filling up with grease and um i i walked up to mcdonald's and was like 
okay, I'm going to psych myself up and go to McDonald's. And the line was no joke, an hour long just to get to the order. <laughs> so I was like, fuck that. It saved my ass, man. But yeah. <laughs> saved you from the, the crack. <laughs> literally. It's so good, though. I'm a, I'm a milkshake whore as well. I would literally just, if I didn't care about my health, I would drink a milkshake every day. Mate, they're so tasty, man. They're amazing. Mm. It's like, see, whenever ever I'm over at Amsterdam, it's like it's one of the first things I'll do. I'll go out and like go to one of the cafes and get a smoke and get like a nice vanilla milkshake. Yeah. It's just outstanding, man. <laughs> That's so good. It's just yeah. like, have you ever have you ever been to a Shake Shack? No, I haven't. No. Oh, mate, when you're in, I think there's one in London. Um, but when be you're in, what vices you introduce me to? It's like, is this me going to be ruined? So Shake Shack is like. They cook everything fresh. It's like Five Guys to a certain extent. So it's like everything's yeah, fresh. So, it, right. so it's not like, it's still not good for you, but it's not as bad for you as like pre-made McDonald's, Burger King, mm. KFC shit. But um, it's, I'd, I'd say it's like in and out uh, Five Guys, Shake Shack. They're all kind of very similar. Um, people are going to hate me for saying that as well. Like... It's like territory wars. It's like gang wars in America with what's better in and really? out. Yeah, mate, it's ridiculous. Um, Shake Shack is better though. Um, but Shake, literally. <laughs> but Shake Shack do this milkshake, do milkshakes and no word of a lie. They're crack cocaine. No right. word of a lie. It's yeah, like okay. the most addictive flavor milkshakes ever. And you're just like, this is so good. How possibly can they make it so good? But every time you drink it afterwards, you're like, yeah, I shouldn't have had that. <laughs> that's just that's just like the thick syrupy sugars just bleeding into your veins. And Literally. Like, <laughs> Literally. Yeah. Uh, it never makes you feel good after. But those oh, those yeah. like 10 minutes of drinking it is heaven. It's, there's nothing better than it. Like yeah. you can have the most beautiful girl in front of you, and it would, I'd still <laughs> rather have the milkshake. <laughs> before sex. <laughs> no, you never want a milkshake before sex, do you? Let's be honest. <laughs> oh dear. Maybe uh, after. Maybe after. Yeah, right. have it after. It's instead of I having a, instead of having a cigarette, have a milkshake. Yeah. I used to drink. I I still do sometimes. You know the Nesquik powder. Right. Have you, have you ever had that? The Nesquik no, chocolate powder? No, but I know what you have to ask, when I was a kid, yeah. Mate, I, I still have some in the in the cupboard <laughs> now. <laughs> yeah. Like, you would just add with the milk and it'd be like the really kind of watery, like... Oh, mate, it's amazing. It would be like the milkshakes you would buy in school in the cat. Yeah, almost, yeah, yeah, literally. Literally. Yeah. I, I love that shit. Um, and now, instead of that, I just use protein shake just because it makes me feel a little well, You know what? Oh, see, the thing is, like, some of the protein shakes as well... Some of the flavors are dynamite. Like mm. there was one I got, it was like chocolate chip with mint or something like that. And see that in the fridge. Oh, but you know what? I would have it would be chocolate chip mint, and then I would buy like say like one like a really dark chocolate. Well, not a dark chocolate, but a really <laughs> deep chocolate flavored uh, milk already, and then mm. add that <clears> with <throat> the mint. <laughs> and ice. Tremendous, man. I, I tell you what. Yeah, I've. I've gone through a few protein powders over the years and recently I've got into Huel. Yeah. All um, right. And I don't drink their, their like pre-made stuff. I just, I got their protein powder. Um, if anyone from Huel's listening, 
you're more than welcome to sponsor yeah, this yeah. podcast. Um, yeah, but yeah. <laughs> but their, their protein powders taste so good. Yeah, and okay. the, the nutrition in, the nutrition in them is amazing like yeah. it's not just protein you're getting so yeah. many other nutrients which other protein powders aren't putting in um a, a lot of other protein powders just fill it up with shit whereas the the nutrition side of the your fuel stuff i'm like how can you get it tasting so good and also being because usually good healthy stuff and taste doesn't really go together exactly like, oh. yeah exactly yeah. It's like when you're drinking your vitamins in your morning and it just tastes like fucking paracetamol. <laughs> it's gross. <laughs> but yeah. Um, what have you got coming out in over the next couple cocoons of months? Out, what, cocoons out next. Oh, next 17th. Nice. So not, not tomorrow, but then the Friday after. So That's a big one for me. This, when will this podcast come out? This podcast is coming out... A week after so it'll be out by then right okay so um, uh, check it out so listen it's out <laughs> <laughs> Buy it now. Yeah. yeah i've got like a bunch of now, kids. <laughs> with i'm doing like a load of podcast recording this week because um i've got like i've actually got writing sessions next week and the week after right. um in london where i'm just writing i've like booked out two weeks of my calendar and just writing music um cool so yeah man um dude thanks so much for coming on no uh, it's, it's been great and uh, i'd no. love to, i'd love to do this in person i feel like we'd have I a know, proper catch up know, I'd love to. um hopefully we catch up at some point this year um but keep safe and how can people follow you and how can people listen to your new album and everything like that mostly most i'm mostly active just on instagram and uh, my albums on spotify or youtube whatever's easiest but you catch most of the stuff everything that's comes out on spotify if you've got that or or on youtube man cool harvey love you dude keep safe see you soon you too bro cheers mate cheers mate see you soon stay on and that is a wrap i hope you enjoyed it thanks for harvey coming on thanks for listening don't forget to subscribe hit share send it to your mates send it to your parents tell everyone about it it's the only way the podcast keeps going love you all see you next time it's happening daily we're being conned by the institutions we used to trust the mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing american families time is short before something big happens and that's why so many folks are preparing they're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from my patriot supply Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? 
Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.